Bishop Finley, 106.7 The Fan, 11 a.m. in the district. Uh, really excited to get to the BetQL guest line and talk to our friend, Mr. Tom McMillan. Uh, I mean, one of the most impressive resumes you're ever going to see in the world. Um, All-American in high school, All-American in college, first-round draft pick in the NBA, goes on to a career that is arguably more impressive than his basketball career, um, serving in the United States House of Representatives, uh, chairing the President's Council on Physical Fitness and Sports. Tom, thank you so much for making some time for us. How are you, sir? Oh, I'm great. It's always great to be with you. Thank you. Um, well, <laughs> seriously, I, 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 I want to start with Lefty. Um, you know, I, I, I was too young to really remember Lefty coaching, but as a Maryland guy, I, I grew up going to Coldfield House. I, I understand his impact. I understand what those teams were like, the teams you were on, the teams after. Um, for a lot of people that don't know Lefty, what do they need to know? Well, I think he was a combination of just a remarkable human being, a tremendous salesman, a great program builder. He can go anywhere and turn him into a winner. I mean, it's really incredible when you look at his record, what he did at all the schools he was at. And, and Maryland, he came to Maryland. My brother had played there, and I used to go to the games, and it was like it, it, kids used the uh, the gym for a study hall. It was so quiet. Uh, you'd go into this cavernous coal field house. The seats were not close to the floor, and Lefty changed all that. He brought the seats down on the floor. He turned that arena, which was originally built for boxing, into like this mecca of college basketball across the country and you know basketball college basketball was not big in washington when he got there boy that changed uh with his uh with his leadership and then what was he like as a coach like i mean personally i I don't know this but i'm guessing you were a really big deal high school basketball player and and how did lefty get you to come to maryland i i mean Granted, I'm taking this from Wikipedia, but when I was looking last night, you had offers to Carolina and UCLA. I mean, we're talking John Wooden, Dean Smith, and, and you decided, "Hey, I'm coming to Maryland." Well, it's it's quite a long it's a story. I'll make it short. The um, we got you know, time, I man. Committed, <laughs> I had committed verbally to North Carolina. I enjoyed Coach Smith. I had been to their basketball camp many times, and uh, over the course of the summer. And uh, my father became ill. Um, I ended up starting to rethink the decision. Lefty came on board. Lefty started talking to me. My brother, Jay, played at Maryland with Gary Williams. He was in medical school at Maryland. He was uh, he was uh, influencing me. Uh, in addition to that, you know, President Nixon had pointed me as the youngest presidential appointee ever on the President's Council on Physical Fitness and Sports, which was a pretty – pretty heady kind of thing for a 17-year-old kid. And so I started thinking, well, it might be kind of fun to be near Washington. My father could see me play, who was ill. Uh, and, uh, you know, Lefty Drizel was going to turn it into something really amazing. And I could go to Maryland and not just be another All-American. And so literally the day before registration was going to close, I called Dean Smith up and said I was coming to Maryland. And that's how it ended. What what is the one thing that you remember Lefty telling you that sticks with you today? Uh, the one thing about 
That he told me about what? Well, the one thing that he may have said to you, like along the way, you know, you we meet these coaches that say things to us that ignite us for the rest of our lives. Was it anything that he said that kind of sticks with you today? There were so many things. I remember one time in my house, uh, he was sitting there, and I said, Lefty, you know, Virginia and North Carolina have so many more books in their library than Maryland. You know, Maryland's not as good a school as those institutions. And because uh, I was considering Virginia, too. And he shot right back. He said, when you read all those books at Maryland, Tom, I'll buy you every book you need. <laughs> what was amazing about him was that, you know, he started his career as a psych encyclopedia salesman. So he had to learn how to become a great salesperson. And, you know, unfortunately, that's what he was very good at. But he was also a very good basketball coach. He was very fundamental or fundamentally oriented. I mean, you don't win at all those programs unless you are. And, uh, you know, he always was pushing me to do more than basketball. I mean, the proudest moment of my of my uh, relationship was lefty when I won the Rhodes scholarship it, it mm. far exceeded any of the basketball milestones. He was so proud of that uh, being the first Rhodes scholar ever from the university of Maryland. I mean, and, and lefty is the only coach in college sports to have coached two Rhodes scholars. He had a Rhodes scholar at, at Davidson too, who played on the team. So, I mean, he was a, a very interesting guy. He was superstitious. I mean, we would go down the, Tobacco Road. If we lost, we never we couldn't stay at that hotel again, or eat in the restaurant. He, uh, but he had a big heart. I remember when Dean Smith was uh, was failing, and Lefty would call him literally every day, every week, even though Dean had Alzheimer's. I mean, they were bitter rivals, but uh, Lefty could put that all aside and be a very human being. Uh, and so I, the Carolina people talked to me about that. And they remember how how compassionate Lefty was. Um, it, it's fascinating to me. I mean, when you were playing basketball, it was probably a little bit further along in what basketball became as far as, like, integrating the country and, and, and breaking down segregation and stuff. It, it's my understanding Lefty was always pushing that needle throughout his career. I mean, coaching down – in, in North Carolina and Charlotte at Davidson, and then even as a guy growing up in Virginia Beach, what was it like during a really chaotic time in America to have that kind of leadership? Well, Lefty at, at Davidson had recruited Mike Malloy, who was the first black athlete, and Lefty, you know, some restaurants wouldn't serve him. Lefty would go right in there and demand that they serve him. And then Charlie Scott, the great North Carolina NBA star, was going to go to Davidson. And, you know, he changed his mind at the last minute and went to Carolina, of course, had an incredible career. But if Lefty had had Charlie Scott and Mike Malloy, he would have won two national titles. <laughs> he may never have come to Maryland. I may have never come to Maryland if Lefty didn't come. So the chain of events, Charlie Charlie ended up going to, to with Dean Smith and uh, then Lefty comes to Maryland. That might not have happened. And by the way, Charlie Scott still loves, I mean, still was in touch with uh, Coach Drizell all the way up to, mm. to to his passing. And so that says something. And, you know, Coach Drizell brought George Raveling as our freshman coach, the first black coach in the ACC. I mean, he 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 was a amazingly uh, – 
he was amazingly not had no not a biased bone in his body, and I think that's really another great credit to him. A lot of young people don't look at history; they only look at what's going on with them today. What would you want them to know more about Lefty, other than the things you said? I, I learned a lot about Lefty through Coach Tom, John Thompson. I used to do a radio show with him, and he would always speak highly of him. Well, I, I think the lessons that Lefty brought were, you know, he always believed that you had to outwork people. He was a believer in just hard work. He would never take no. He, I always remind people he was like a dog that grabbed your pants. He just wouldn't let go. <laughs> he was tenacious, but he was decent, uh, he was a very good family man, loved his wife dearly. Uh, he, he was an innovator. You know, March Midnight Madness was his invention because he didn't want a program in the country to have a start earlier than the Terps. And so we started practicing at 1201. That's what he wanted. <laughs> and so all those combinations, all those factors describe someone that, you know, is a, just an amaz- amazing person. Um, yeah, I, Lefty's life and legacy, I, I think – there was probably a time, and it kind of ended. I don't. I don't know exactly, right? Like I wasn't around to know exactly, but obviously the Len Bias's death kind of loomed large in the story of Lefty. I feel like over as time has passed and that event has gotten further and further in the rearview mirror, it, it seems like it is less of Lefty's legacy, and I, and I think that's fair. Does that does that sound right to you, Tom? Absolutely. You know, the, they had a prosecutor in Prince George's County that went after him, and they found nothing. Maryland kept him on as a assistant athletic director until he took the next job at James Madison. But he was exonerated, yet his career took a hit on that. And that today, you know, you look at Len Bias, and he was a really good kid. He made a terrible mistake at a moment of celebration in his life. But, you know, that happens Every day in America with fentanyl today, it's it's such it's such a tragedy when you see such a talent because Lenny Bias could have been Michael Jordan. That's how talented mm-hmm. he was, and uh, it's so sad. It broke Lefty's heart, and then he paid a price for it until he got in the Hall of Fame many years later. But uh, it's a uh, but you know Lefty got up and continued and went to other programs and made them into huge successes. And, uh, you know, he he carried on, and uh, you have to give him a lot of credit. That You know, when he went to James Madison right after that, he won five consecutive uh, colonial regular season titles. No one's done that since then. So he was a winner at every school, and uh, but, uh, you know, we miss him. I was I – was, it was a gift for me. I drove down to see him two weeks ago, and I had two hours with him, and we went down memory lane, and that was a real blessing for me to have that opportunity. Um, I, I, I did want to ask, and I'm sorry we're keeping you so long, Tom. I know your time is very valuable. If you need to run, just say the word. Um, talking with Tom McMillan here. No, I'm okay. Okay, cool. Um, we know about Midnight Madness. Uh, we know about just the legendary players that came through there, John Lucas, yourself. Uh, I mean, just a ton of them, right? Um can you t- take us back to 1974, that famous game with you guys in NC State that really changed and kind of created the NCAA tournament as we now know it? 
Well, at that time, you know, only 25 teams went into the NCAA uh, tournament. And, it, you know, it was you had to win your conference. And the fact of the matter is there were really only two or three good, really great basketball conferences, you know, the the Big East, uh, the ACC, and uh, obviously uh, uh, the, the UCLA. The PAC, uh, PAC, whatever it was called then. Yeah, and uh, it was very, it was a handful of conferences. And yet, if you didn't win your conference, you didn't go on to the NCAA title. So we were one of the very best teams in the country that year, UCLA, North Carolina State, and us. And, uh, you know, just the fact that we had that great game um, it was our third game in the ACC final. North Carolina State had gotten a bye, so they had it played twice. It was overtime. There were, you know, it was a perfect game. There, there were, I think, there were hardly any turnovers. Great shooting, and we, you know, we could have easily won the game. And uh, you know, North Carolina State went on to win the Eastern Regional in North Carolina and the national title in North Carolina. It was all kind of stars the line for them they beat UCLA but it was a it was a game that went down history and Billy Packer used to call it one of the one of the two best college games of all time and then they changed the rules after that the NCAA changed the rules they opened up the tournament and now look it's 68 teams when Maryland won the tournament uh under Gary uh and 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 we were so pleased that he did that but he lost the, you know, Maryland lost the ACC tournament, so they had a second chance, and uh, we're we're glad they did. It's just that uh, back when we we played, they we didn't have those second chances. Sure. Do you yeah. think, um, you think David Thompson is remembered properly? It's always, you know, there's a recency bias in in sports where you remember the here and now is contrary to yesterday, but I can tell you, David. Thompson was extraordinary basketball player. He was better than Michael Jordan in college, certainly. And, uh, and he was an awful good pro until he had some issues. But I think David Thompson may have been one of the best college basketball players of all time. And, uh, he gave us fits. We had a hard time stopping him. And uh, we had a, we had an anniversary last year uh, in Greensboro. So David was there. Tom Burleson was there. Monty Tao was there. Lenny, myself and uh, Mo Howard. It was really nice to reconnect with those guys. And because uh, that was a really a, an extraordinary moment uh, in college sports. And uh, it was just glad to see David again, who is, uh, is just really, truly a superstar. It's nice. Uh, North Carolina State put a statue out in front of the, the arena in honor of him. And I think it's so, so appropriate. Sure. Yeah. So people understand this 1974 Maryland team. Um, UCLA had won. Remember John Wooden, UCLA? Yeah. The Wizard of Westwood, all that? Uh, UCLA had won eight straight titles. Okay? Think about what a freight train that UCLA mm-hmm. team was. And then NC State beat them. And that's the team Maryland took to double OT in the ACC final and then didn't get to go to the NCAA tournament. Crazy. It's like hard to well, remember. We lost, we lost to UCLA literally one of the first games of the season by one point. We could have broken their... I think they had a 78-game win streak. Oh, damn. That, we they, had the ball. We had the ball, and we we didn't get a shot up, but we were down by one. But I mean that that that's again uh, one of those um, one of those unfortunate close calls. But we we were right there at Pauley Pavilion. 
I mean, it's it's remarkable. Tom, thank Great you for day, your time, brother. man. Thank you, Tom. Um, sincerely appreciate it. And uh, we just we wanted to honor Lefty, and and we couldn't think of anybody better to do it. And I, I if I can, real quick. What was it like taking a year off basketball to go to Oxford as a Rhodes Scholar and then coming <laughs> back to the NBA? Well, if you recall, Bill Bradley did that. Bill Bill uh, was drafted by the Knicks, and he went over to Oxford. He actually went for two years. So I went over to Italy. I went over to Oxford, and then I played basketball in Italy. I played 55 games in, in Italy while I was commuting back and forth to school. And then I came back after that first year, and then I went back to Oxford in the summers to finish my Rose Scholarship. It would be hard to do that today because, uh, you know, the, the traffic's are so precious, the money's so big. Uh, you, you just – no owner would allow you to do that. But it was probably the greatest thing in my life to, to be able to take that year to, to go over to Oxford on a Rose Scholarship. I don't think I could have done that today, which uh, is unfortunate because – uh, as I look back at my life, my Rhodes Scholarship Oxford experience was the most important thing in my life. I mean, that's so damn cool, and I feel like it would never happen today, to your point, and, and that's a shame. You say um, student-athlete. Yeah, seriously. Hey, Tom, <laughs> last one. What do you think of, I mean, the Big Ten and the SEC just taking over the world and, and the state of college sports today? Well, I do think, you know, I work with uh, all these leagues and all these teams with my position at uh, CEO Lead One. But I, you know, I think that it's inevitable because uh, the television is very inefficient in college sports, very fragmented. And so trying to consolidate television, try, you try to get more money in the door, it's tough. I think they need to think this through because the scheduling is really difficult, not so much for basketball, for football players who play a handful of games a year, but, you know, basketball players are flying all over the country and all the other sports. It's just incredible amount of travel, and they have to think this through. I do think that this this TV consolidation is inevitable, and, uh, and we're probably going to see more of it. Uh, but, uh, again, I think that, Making it a little easier on the kids to travel and so to study and not not have to, you know, look at Maryland. Some of those kids they go to Nebraska and play a game, and they have to literally fly all night long to get back to class the next day. So it's tough on those kids. It's going to be nuts. Yes, it is. Um, Tom, thank you for your time. Appreciate man. your time. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. That is Bye-bye. Tom McMillan. I mean, l- literally, when you talk about legacies and resumes. That dude, that dude is has a long one. Unmatched. <laughs> unmatched. Uh, let's get back into some NFL stuff. Franchise tag. Remember when that was a thing in DC? Don't oh, go anywhere. It is again. This song's terrible. <laughs> you say you, Did Ace of Base have any other you say the song is terrible? Did they have any other hits? The sign was a banger. Uh, All that she wants was a fairly popular song. All that she wants is another baby. She's gone tomorrow. Something like that, right? I don't think that's the words, but yeah. something like that. JP will screw up a word. What country is Ace of Base from, Brian? Don't know. I only know because I just looked it up. Okay, I don't know at Jeff, all. Jeff, what's your guess? Let him hear a little more. I'll say England. Brian's in the in the clubhouse with England. London, England. There we go. Okay. Jeff? Uh, I'm going to say Australia. Landy, do you know? I was. I would guess the U.K. Wendy, do you have a guess? Wendy's here. 
She's in charge of uh, correcting my English. I don't know Wendy's official title, but she... She says she don't have a guess. Wendy, there is a microphone for you to say that. They're from Gothenburg, Sweden. Mm. So, congratulations to Ace of Base. Um, now, Brian, we have a problem here. I want to talk about Mark Lerner saying the Nats aren't for sale. Um, I kind of... I have an idea to solve all of our arena woes. Um, but more importantly... Landfill got a $1 chip to MGM National Harbor. So Landfill's up $1 on the day. We have wait, 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 wait. Yes. How do you get a one? I've never seen a $1 chip. <laughs> Landfill's holding it. <laughs> no, serious. Apparently Where do you was, get a $1 chip from? Yeah, how'd you get that? I was sitting on the uh, counter over there. Now it's mine. Oh, so you, you so in other words, you did a JP, you stole somebody's stuff. That's exactly correct. Yeah, I, that seems a little. I don't know why I got dragged into that because you normally take yeah, stuff. It's, it's accurate. <laughs> I, I don't know about all that, but okay. Well, you normally lift things. Today is Tuesday, Brian. Mm-hmm. We've been alerted to this. I got an email. Tuesday is six dollar calzone Tuesdays at Lido's. Mm. Calzone sounds kind of banging. The closest Lido's is on Barracks Row, 8th Street. I assume that's southeast, right? Um, I think Jeff could walk there. Do you think Jeff could walk 8th there? 8th Street? 8th. It's a long damn walk. How long of a walk do we think it is? Uh, Looking at Jeff, about 35, 40 minutes. <laughs> I mean, it, it takes Jeff 15 minutes to pick up food downstairs. But I'm saying, like, like no you're talking, do now. we're on half street. He has seven to go seven and a half blocks. Seven and a half blocks, but then you got to go over probably a little bit. So, Landfill, do you think he can do it? I think. I think instead of walking there, grab your car and go. Nah, bruh. Then I lose my parking spot, and I, I take use JP's car. Well, he's in another building. I would let oh, him take on, my car. Except yours. when Jeff drives That's a car, that's okay, dog. Not he, mine. I was gonna say you. You, you don't got to worry about yeah, gas. Yeah, your car's here. You and should let you him got take parking. your brand new Ain't car. Ain't happening. Orsman Chantilly Kia got be a brand new, yep. what is it, F9? What's it called? EV9. EV9. Let Jeff, drive it. Let Jeff drive it to Lido's. Nah, that's all right. Um, apparently, it's a 24-minute walk to Lido's. That's for somebody that's walking briskly. That's not bad. I, I can if, walk. if Jeff left now to pick us up Calzones, would he be back before the show ends? Uh, yeah. He'll be back around 1 o'clock. Because he's going to find something that's going to stop him. There will be a woman that distracts him. No, no, no. It might not be a woman. He's going to find something. He will start challenging somebody about something. Well, the blunt he smokes between here and there will also impact the, the time of travel. Don't you think, Jeff? Nah, he's not going to smoke a blunt for me. Yeah, there. bro. I don't, I, don't, I don't even do drugs, man. I don't believe you. Um, good news is weed's not a drug anymore. Wendy is here, it's though. It's still a drug. Because we're having this it's whole just not illegal in certain. It's, a, it's not illegal in certain places. Yeah, man, I don't even take Tylenol. That's huh? weird. Wendy, tell the world what you're mad at me about. Because I don't think this is a thing, but they all started yelling at me about letters. That there is no S on Lido. Nobody on the planet says Lido. Everybody says Lido's. If you look well, at the Well, when you say building, Lido's, you're just trying to say Lido's. But the, the name is Lido. That was you. a hell of an explanation. No, when you say Lido's, you mean you, you, you're trying to look like the ownership of something. But when you go get Lido's pizza, yes, it's right. Apostrophe yes. But you there don't is go, no apostrophe S it should anywhere be. on the word Lido. If you're speaking it about the pizza, you got to have the ownership there. 
See, that's what I was saying. But it's Lido. This feels like a McDonald's the name of the company McDonald's company. Um, Landfill, do you want to do you want to chime in on the Lido Lido's situation? Yeah, there's no S. But everybody <laughs> says Lido's. Dude. They're wrong. There's no S. You know what? Everybody could be wrong. Wendy, <laughs> so. can Jeff borrow your car to go get us six dollar calzones? No, you can't borrow my car at all. Everybody say that like I can't drive. Jeff, I'm probably the best driver Jeff, in, your, your in car, the station. Your car sits by itself and gets hit. Nah, nobody I wants to ride a car. I might offer up a station that. truck, though. Ooh! Bing, 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 bing! Wendy, get stuff done. Bam, bam, Wendy, bam. we will buy your calzone if you can provide a truck for Jeff to go drive and pick them up. Okay. And, and that's good promotion for the station, so. I think you should let Jeff drive a station truck full time. <laughs> I think not. <laughs> He has too many things happen to his stuff. Imagine whatever Jeff does at night, uh, driving around in a the, station the, the truck. The truck was was scratched. The 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 the, the wheels were punctured. Oh, he got hit while it was parked. So uh, is this is this really happening? Are we getting a station truck to go pick up calzones? Wendy, I can offer up a station truck. If Hell yeah! Go get calzones. I can offer up a credit card. I will pay. <laughs> I will pay. This is tremendous news. Oh, this place is crazy. It's the best thing that's happened today. Um, Wendy, thank you. What is your title? I am the regional sales marketing director for Odyssey Washington, D.C. That sounds like a big deal. Yeah, that's a lot of stuff in one one little title. What else, Wendy? But beyond just getting us a truck to go get calzones, Wendy also handed me a beer during 106.7 The Fan versus Team 980 night at the Draft House. which (laughs) I I, didn't get one. You got a few. I'm upset. You got a few. Um, that night got away from me a little bit. I had to get out of there because I, people were taking photos of me, and I said, time for me to get the hell out of here. Um, you didn't look that good? Didn't look great. That's often, Jay. Wendy, this is tremendous news. I will figure it out during the break. I, I'm fired up. Um, Brian, did you notice that the Nationals are no longer for sale? I've heard that, and uh, I've, I'm just thinking why. That's the first thing that popped in my mind. So the – you know, they call him the patriarch. I believe it was Ted Lerner, the father, the, the the founder, perhaps, passed away whenever that was, last year, two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, depending what you read, and I've read the posts and I read from Zuck on Massive Sports, um, you know, the family doesn't necessarily want to sell. There's a lot of. Sounds like maybe competing interests among the family members of who wants to sell, who doesn't want to sell, et cetera. Uh-huh. Um, do you think it's as simple as nobody met their price? That could be it. Or, yeah, the change of heart. You know, I think a lot of the things that have popped up in the uh, news lately were moving and things of that nature. Are they thinking that somebody would buy and try to move that too? And I- they may want to make sure it sticks in the city. I don't know because most of the buildings around here were built by who? Learners. Bam. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this is a learner building. Yeah. I'm saying, so if I have an area that's uh, <laughs> where all my buildings are, <laughs> the last thing I want to do is have all of them empty, right? Right. So I'm going to keep the stadium around here. So it could be uh, it could be a multitude of things. But I, that may be one of them. I wonder, th- there's a lot to try to figure out there. And I wonder if a significant part of the puzzle hasn't already happened. With the fact that uh, the thing's happening up there in Baltimore. Let's that exa- Masson deal help it out. 
Let's examine when we return. It's B. Mitchell Finley. Hey, it's Brian Mitchell here. Get buckets with your first bet on FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bet with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. I would tell you about some bets tonight, but you know what? The NBA doesn't start playing again till Thursday night, so you have to wait for that. But I guarantee you'll find some bets that you'll love. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and more. Just visit FanDuel.com slash Brian and shoot your shot. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. FanDuel, sportsbook with official partner of 1067 The Fan. You have to be 21 years old, the president of Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as a non-withdrawable bonus bet that expires seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. B. Mitchell Finley, 1067 The Fan. Um, we wanted to have Tom McMillan on today to discuss Lefty Drizel. Um, Having Tom on at 11 means we bumped Barstool Nate to noon. That means the big man Mitch Tischler is at 1230 and mm-hmm. Nikki Jambala will be on at 1 o'clock. Um, In a regular spot. Yeah. Big news story this weekend. Um, apparently the Nats are no longer for sale. I want to start with a baseline here because a few smart people I've talked to, um, people we've worked with before, Brian, people we work with now, have told me, sure, they said they're not for sale, but they're still for sale. So let's start here. Yeah. I mean, I've seen a lot of people want to sell something, sell their house, sell their business, whatever. And then all of a sudden, you don't get the price that you expected. And then you see things moving that makes things even better for you. So you pull it back. Now, they may not be for sale right now. That's not to say they're not going to be for sale in a year or two. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Maybe later down the road. But I think right now, they're, they're, they mean that. I mean, on some level, like not to get too existential, but on some level, everything is always for sale. Right? Like... I live in my home. If somebody walked up and made me. I'll give you $2 million, Jay. Right. You okay. Out. Yeah. All right. We'll figure this out. Hey, we'll leave other stuff for you. Right. 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 Like everything. <laughs> you is, can have the whole house. Everything is always for sale yeah. on some level. Um, I do think. Are you actively trying to sell it? It's a different story. Sure. And I feel like maybe they're no longer doing that. Yeah. Landini, do you believe the Nats are not for sale? I I mean I agree with the if somebody made them the the Godfather style offer that they would sell the team but yeah I guess that means that they're not uh, actively shopping the team any longer right like remember when the skins got sold the big news was that Dan hired a broker to sell the team to to sell the team like I, I don't know that the learners ever did that I don't know what stage that got to but I can't help but wonder they're in the they're in that uh, business, though. They may not need one. Sure. But they're in the real estate business. Is that how you sell a, a, yeah, fran- a franchise? I don't know. But I'm saying, like, you, you're talking about a building and all the other stuff. So I think that they may have the wherewithal to where they don't need as much as he might probably need it. I, I agree with that. I think it's hard to look at what happened in Baltimore with the Orioles being sold. That looks like it's a real deal thing. Huh? And not wonder what impact that has on the Nats 
Because everybody's aware of the television rights and all the trouble that's caused over the years, right? Do those two people have any connection? Those two groups, the Carlisle, the Scarlet Group, right? It was, yeah. And learners, have they crossed paths? Do they have like a, a relationship that they could probably figure this thing out moving forward? So that may be a reason why, you know, they don't. They feel like now nah, I don't have to sell because I have someone that's willing to do work with us on something instead of what they were dealing with prior. I don't know that answer. But I'm, I'm just just trying to throw stuff out there to see why they would change and then make it public in that sense. Well, be, here's my thing. I don't know that answer, but DC's got a lot of rich people. Yeah, but maybe not, not like New York or LA or Miami or something, right? Of the super super wealthy billionaire class. My guess is, like Rubenstein and Lerner, like. Go to some of the same dinners, or mm. I mean, what's that club they all go? The economic club, like there's all these the, the like, event I, that we went to once. I was right. good. Uh, I forgot what they call it exactly. The dude that was uh, hosting it, he was funny as hell. I I feel like Ruben C might have hosted one of those things. I don't know if it was him, that but was like hosted that one. I think it'd be crazy to think. That Ruben Seen and Lerner having at least cross paths. Cross paths. Mm-hmm. Like we're all here. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're all in this city sitting in traffic eating at Clyde's. Like at some point we all kind of cross paths. Like you're a big deal. You're a future Hall of Famer. You're a Super Bowl winner. Like you've crossed paths with these people. And even my big ear blogger ass has crossed paths with some of these people. Like those dudes connect. And, and I just wonder if. There's not, you said this a while back, and this also has me thinking about RFK. It has me thinking about Mm -hmm. a million things, right? Like, the people that are billionaires tend to be for a reason. Mm -hmm. Because they're incredibly smart, and they think eight stages ahead. Mm -hmm. And I just wonder if there's not more things happening here that will settle a lot of the issues that have been a problem for both baseball teams. Mm-hmm. And the good news, I, I think for consumers and for fans, one, Masson has a lot of fans that have cut the cord, which you shouldn't. Cable's way better than having all these 8 billion other things. But, like, I think Masson's the only channel that you don't get on YouTube TV, something like that. Mm-hmm. Like, a lot of people want to watch Nats games or O's games and can't. Like, I think a lot of that will get remedied. And obviously, the revenue piece of this puzzle for the Nats, as they have completely torn down, completely gutted a championship-caliber organization, maybe that stuff will get resolved. Probably so. I, for one, and this is in my normal character, I suppose, I, for one, am optimistic about the future. You are? I'm always. I I mean, Landville, you know me, Mr. Positive. Are you sick? I'm not saying I'm, I'm kind of can't shake this cold, but I got a good night's sleep. Yeah, but I think something wrong with you because you normally are never optimistic. I think you're s- pessimist. Somewhere I am. I am not pessimistic. I am skeptical of most things, but I would not say I'm pessimistic. I think you're pessimistic. Skeptical. I'm Mister Positivity. That's what the kids call me in the streets. Not a kid in the street call you that, Jeff. When when you when your boys ask about me in the streets, they're always like, "Oh, Mister Positivity, JP, right?" 
No. <laughs> That's say, the last word they ever say. <laughs> they say Mr. Here a lot. <laughs> oh, people make fun of my physical appearance. I love that. I do have big ears, folks. And I, I ironically don't hear that well. Uh, Barstool Nate also has a weird physical appearance. Will join us next.